Hi, Paul. Uh, thank you for joining me this afternoon. I'm very excited to be talking with you about your novella, The Clay Urn. And the first question that I have for you is, um, because one of the things that I think is really interesting about this book is that it is written in a time and a place and a circumstance that we normally don't see in, in literature. And I am really interested in what the inspiration was behind this story. Thank you very much, Erin, uh, for um, um, offering to come on today to uh, interview me. Um, so The Clay Urn um, was written um, about four years ago, but it uh, is written about a time and place in um, Israel when I lived there. I graduated university in 1984 and um, here in the States, and then I moved uh, to Israel. My degree was in the history of the Middle East and the Arab-Israeli conflict. And um, I, I am Jewish, so um, when I went there, um, I became a citizen, which one can do through the law of return. And um, after about a year in the country, um, being that I was a citizen, I, I was drafted into the military. Um, I knew that that was my, um, the course that I would be taking, so it wasn't a shock. Um, but I will say uh, a kid who grew up in Livingston, New Jersey, uh, suburban uh, neighborhood uh, to go from that to university in New Orleans and then um, to Israel and then a year later to the military um, was quite a jolt. However, in retrospect, 30 years later, uh, I realized that that jolt um, also probably enabled me to see um, the inside of the society, the inside of the conflict, but from a half a step removed. So my sensibility is an American suburban kid and I'm looking in and I'm on the inside of this conflict and I did study it. So I had uh, a pretty good background about the Arab-Israeli conflict uh, and Israeli society, but I think that enabled me to have uh, some pretty good insight. Yeah, so you have this, this interesting perspective that many people don't have on, on that conflict. And speaking of, of perspective, since this is a fictionalized account of, of, this, uh, of this conflict, the story is told from two different perspectives, from the perspectives of two different characters. So what was the decision-making behind that? And what do you think it added to, to this story? So that, that's a, um, a great question because um, it's actually never been asked. I've done a lot of readings over the last year it was actually um the book came out in end of march 2000, uh, 2020 um but it's the first time that anyone's asked me about the two characters and i guess uh the reason was um that i needed to have one character sort of go from the beginning to the end but i also knew that one character unfortunately will was not going to make it to the end and yet that character 
um, for me as a writer uh, is a crucial part of this story. So not having a lot of experience in writing novels prior to that, um, I guess I didn't have the rules set out for me and maybe that's a good thing. You know, I just went with having two um, characters as the main or two uh, people as the main character. And I also feel that uh, even though one of the uh, main characters, uh, Ilana doesn't make it to the end of the book, um, I think that her spirit and her, um, her essence um, is there right to the very end. And, you know, probably uh, will live with the other character for the rest of his life. And, I, and I'm pretty convinced of that. This is based uh, on a true story. Um, all of the events um, are uh, based on true stories, except it is fiction. So I get to have that, um, that freedom that I needed to sort of develop the characters the way I wanted to. Um, but the tragic um, bus accident, um, I was there and um, I, I, the person who um, died and I was with, um, I don't think she's ever really left me. I, I never knew her. I mean, she just happened to be um, there uh, on the bus and so I guess uh, the spirit of people lives in with you, lives within you, um, and that I think was really the impetus behind me writing this book. Yeah, I think that's so kind of fascinating about this story is that there is this real real event that happened that is included in the book. It is clearly fiction, but what was that like working with an event that was real and had really happened and you had experienced um, and then taking it and putting it into this book that is that is fiction, this story that is fiction? So I guess, I guess that's the beauty of writing I'm not as involved in other mediums or intimately involved as I am with writing. I'm also a photographer and I also dabble in um, film, but I'm really intimately involved with writing, meaning that I put my entire soul into the uh, art form. And I'm a fiction writer and I've always been a fiction writer. And what allows me the freedom is, um, the creativity of making things up based on my feelings. So uh, somebody once told me that, and I agree with that, I'm really a storyteller. I'm not, I came late in my career to writing. I only started writing at about 46 or 47 years old. I'm 59 now, so only about 12 years. But what I always have been is a storyteller whether it be with my, my parents or with my sisters or with my friends. Um, and then later as a teacher, um, I've always told stories and I love stories and I love embellishing stories. And so I think fiction allows me to use that talent that I have of storytelling and um, mix it with this beautiful medium of writing. Um, and so fiction is the way to go for that. I, I, I think that if I was a nonfiction writer, I would get stuck because 
I don't really want to write about Paul. Um, it's not to say that I'm interesting or not interesting. I just don't want to write about Paul. I want to write about through my experiences. I want to put that on other characters and really put my feelings into these other characters. Um, and so with the clay urn, uh, because these are these um, experiences are so close to me. I mean, it's amazing. Um, and it's not just me, everyone can do it. You just have to get a little practice in there. But um, it's amazing that 35 years later, I can still smell, I can still feel. Um, I remember what a Jeep felt like, you know, going over a certain part of land. It is so ingrained um, that to write about it, that was easy. Um, the difficult part is the arc of the story, you know, telling a story is one thing, creating a fiction novel or a novella with an arc that's interesting for readers, that is a whole nother thing. I love that you brought up this idea of feeling the land. You can still feel, feel the land because as I was reading this book, I felt like one of the characters was also the landscape of, of the setting and all of that really was like one of the characters. And I'm interested if that was intentional or if that just came out and like what, um, why you think that might have been such like a big part of the story. So uh, first of all, uh, when I, uh, lived in Israel. Um, I, after I uh, finished my uh, initial military service, which was quite quite grueling because it was at the opening days of the first intifada. And again, um, you know, in the book, it really describes that conflicted narrative between the government and the soldiers, the Palestinians, the Israelis. It was really complicated. Um, and a popular uprising is a really difficult thing to get thrown into because I was trained as a soldier, uh, not as a policeman. And when you cross those lines, it gets really crazy. I mean, here in America, we, we, are, we went through it last year in 2020, and it's a really um, uh, gray area, you know, when a soldier is called into police or... So that was the first thing. But getting back to your question about the land, um, after I finished my initial service before my reserve, uh, which was the next eight years, um, I uh, became, I was accepted to postgraduate uh, work, uh, which included a three-year course with the Ministry of Tourism to become a certified tour guide. And if you can imagine the complexity of history of the societies and of the people in Israel and religions in Israel uh, to become a tour guide to, to, to tour a group around that country, you really have to have a profound knowledge of all the intricate intricacies of the land and the people. So during the course, we toured by foot every inch of that country from north to south, from east to west. It's a small country, but it is uh, really diverse, very much like California in that regard. 
mountains and deserts and so on and so forth, snow-capped peaks and some of the driest spots on earth. Um, and so you become intimate with the land. And uh, also in the military, I was an infantry soldier and you know, infantry, we're not up in the air and we're not on the sea, we are on the land. And that is one of the issues um, that when writing about it um, became really natural, it became really easy for me to go back to my memory uh, of the land. And there are certain incident, there's certain um, um, times in the military where, you know, all of the actions take place at night. And there's a lot of meditative moments uh, because you're waiting for something to happen or you're waiting for the command to complete the mission. And there could be hours of just sitting as still as you can and really absorbing what I call the, 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 the beauty around me. You know, I say it's beauty, um, but in the book, you'll see it's sometimes a very harsh beauty, a very terrible beauty, um, a very rugged beauty, if you will. But that doesn't leave you, you know? And that's, I mean, that comes also with people that do a lot of hiking, um, folks that are in the outdoors a lot, you know, those visions and those feelings um, can come rushing back to you uh, if you write or paint or whatever it might be. Yeah, I have I have just one more one more question for you. So since this is a historical story, it, it is taking place uh, not in like con contemporary times right now. But what are you hoping that people in the present day are able to take from from this story? The people that are are reading it now, living in the world that we live in now, what do you hope that they, they are able to take from, from this story? So one of my goals, probably it's always been my goal, but now as a writer um, is to always hope that when somebody is finished reading my book or a poem, a little something different uh, is changed for them. And so with the clay urn, um, I hope that after reading it, that somebody will understand the, the real complexity of that particular conflict and that to fully understand any conflict, you have to first take a step back. And no matter how difficult it is, you must see it from both sides. You cannot be a, um, a historical uh, fiction writer or a storyteller if you're telling the story about a conflict and only seeing it through the eyes of one or the other. And I think um, the Arab-Israeli conflict is truly a complex conflict. And um, that's also why a lot of times it's sort of easy with phrase words, one side or the other to say, oh no, we're right or you're right or they're right. But when you really dig down, um, it, it's complicated. So to answer your question, Aaron, I think that I would want people to come away from this story, from after reading this story, first of all, understanding the, the incredible weight that is put on 20 year olds 
uh, 19-year-olds. You know, you're drafted at 18, and by 19, you could be leading a small unit, and by 20, you could be commanding um, a, 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 a unit into combat. And you're also in the midst of um, another people's culture and world and life. And if, and if you don't understand them, you know, that's going to create some real difficulties going forward. And that's what happened here in the clay urn, um, where an incident between a Palestinian uh, and uh, his father uh, triggered something that ultimately had catastrophic, um, a catastrophic result. And maybe if we just understood that one little situation better, you know, we might have had our main character uh, at the end. And that's, and that's my hope is that you know, conflicts will always be understood uh, from both sides. And the last thing I want to say about that is um, I taught for many years the Arab-Israeli conflict, and I would be, um, you know, sort of thrown into these classes where uh, there are students from abroad, English-speaking students from abroad, who were coming in uh, to my class in Jerusalem uh, to do uh, before they go to university. So they would do like three months of learning about the history and the culture and the conflict. And, you know, the way I approached it is I would always start by saying, okay, pretend you just moved into a neighborhood and your neighbor on your left did this, how would you react? You know, and then all of a sudden they start to see the world, not through Jewish or Muslim eyes or Arab, it is really, uh, they start to see it. Well, this is our neighborhood. How do we want to act? Um, so that's what I want people to come away with uh, when they read this, that uh, in order to fully and truly understand any conflict, big or small, we must see it through both, through the eyes of both peoples involved. And I think that's that's a great thing for a story. It is still a great story, a great fiction novella, yet it does have this much like deeper um, element that that we can we can take from it. And it gives kind of a human face to this conflict that many people have only heard buzzwords about. So uh, yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for, for talking with me. It was really awesome to hear a lot more about just kind of your thinking of it and um, how you went through this process of, of creating this story. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you very much, Erin. All right. Bye.